0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's go to a familiar passage, maybe the most familiar passage, or one of the most familiar passages, thanks to Lioness, in all of Scripture. I love the fact that every Christmas on television, Lioness quotes Luke chapter 2. CBS and Coca-Cola didn't want that to happen even 50 years ago. But Charles Schultz insisted, and I'm glad he did. In Luke's gospel, the second chapter, a story that perhaps is so familiar, we have a hard time hearing it again, but let's listen to it this morning as though it's the first time we've ever heard it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, this was the first registration when... Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he went there to be be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth. To her firstborn son, she wrapped him up in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were filled with fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And This will be assigned to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory. To God in the highest and on earth, peace to those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let's go to Bethlehem that we can see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and there they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered. What the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And may God bless the reading and the preaching of His word to our hearts on this day. Christmas. It's a little hard sometimes. In fact, it's very difficult sometimes to really sort of peel away what is sort of the cultural sentimentality about Christmas and what the real story of Christmas truly is. Both my parents are with the Lord now, but my mother loved Christmas. I mean, she absolutely adored it. And our house was filled with everything Christmas you could possibly imagine. I remember it was always right about the first part of November she would start getting out the Christmas Ideal magazines if you're old enough to remember what those are. And I still remember seeing those around our house. The thing is, whether it's the Ideal magazines or whether it's all the nativity scenes or the Christmas cards or the beautiful trees or the gorgeous decorations... I mean, the reason they're so beautiful is it's such a happy occasion that Jesus was born, but it causes us, I think, to forget that that night for Mary and Joseph was perhaps not beautiful in some ways. You you realize that Mary was this young virgin that the angel came to and said, you're going to have a baby, and she wasn't even married, she was to throw to Joseph, and then the angel, who by the way, he didn't tell Joseph at the same time he told Mary. You, you realize that he could have, but he didn't. So Joseph had to struggle for a while about what this means. And he's a kind and gentle man, and he was going to treat her kindly and well, but you can imagine. The struggles and the thoughts that went through his mind on those days before the angel appeared to him and said, oh, by the way, Joseph, (laughs) this child is by the Holy Spirit. Helps me understand that God always knows what he's doing and he'll reveal it to me in his time, but not necessarily my time. Anybody ever been there? So that's how their marriage and their life starts out. They weren't expecting to have a child like this. And no doubt the family and the friends were talking about it. Joseph was a carpenter. And if you're a carpenter in the first century in that part of the world, you aren't building houses. (laughs) There wasn't enough wood to build. He didn't build houses out of wood. You were probably building, among other things, furniture. And it's not unrealistic to think that if Mary's going to have a baby, that Joseph probably was building some sort of a bed for that child to be in. Mary, being this young girl who'd never had a child before, no doubt was looking forward to having her mother, her family, her extended family, probably her grandmother around her at the time of the birth. But what happened? Well, the government got involved. (laughs) Wait a minute. If the Holy Spirit can, can... conceive a child in this young virgin, can't we put off this taxation and this long, dangerous journey for a few weeks? Isn't that how we look at our life? Sometimes we think, you know, God, you just need to, I don't know why all this stuff is happening, there must be something wrong, and yet it's exactly how it happened. I know some of us are planning Christmas, you know, and we've got a limited number of Weekends before Christmas, we're trying to work all the family members in and all the events in, and we want them all to be happy. And I got news for you it's not going to all go real well this year because it didn't all go real well last year, and it won't go real well next year. And sometimes we raise our expectations of how perfect Christmas ought to be, but we live in a broken world. And I love the fact that when we look at this story, from a human standpoint, all right, it, it's not a perfect night. She's not in her home, not with a little bed that Joseph has tenderly made, not with her mother and her grandmothers and her sisters and her aunts around her and Joseph's family around him. No, it's a long and dangerous and difficult journey, and they have to go. This is, this is the law. This is Roman Census, this is not optional, regardless of whether you're nine months pregnant or not. And so they take this long, difficult journey. You can imagine or try to imagine. Traveling at that distance was so, so challenging normally, but with, with a young bride who was ready to give birth, how Joseph must have been so concerned for her every single step of the way then they get to Bethlehem, not a big town, a very small town. But because the government said everybody had to come all at once, it filled up. <laughs> Nobody really had plans for that. It was just absolutely packed with people. And they arrive, and it's nighttime, and she gives birth. This is my second time being here, and I really appreciate at least Steve's invitation for me to come back. (laughs) Maybe I didn't get it right the first time, so I keep coming until I get it right. I I hope you hear what I'm saying here, and you you don't take offense at it. All we really know about the night Jesus was born was what I just read. We've had the tendency over the years to sort of fill it in with sort of images that have come from other stories. It doesn't say one way or the other that the baby was born in a stable. It only says the baby was laid in a feed box. Now, we, it says manger, but when we think of manger, we think of a little baby bed with hay in it. But that's not what it was. It was a feed trough. It would be like saying she wrapped up her newborn baby and laid him in a feed trough. A feed trough. The scripture just says that while she was there, she gave birth, and then they were looking for whether 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 they were looking for a place for her to give birth. Whether she actually, perhaps, even gave birth outside. All we know is that that night she gave birth, and there was no room for them in the inn. Now, you realize there's no innkeeper in this story (laughs) anywhere. And it's altogether likely that the inn was not necessarily a hotel, because there really weren't hotels in Bethlehem in the first century. But many houses would have a room that would be like a guest room. And it's, it's probably likely that as they were there, they were... All the guest rooms of any relative that would have been there would have been filled up. And there was just no room for them, even among their relatives. There was no room anywhere. And so desperate was it that the only place they could find in the darkness of this night, the only place they could find to lay this child was in a trough where hours before animals had been feeding. You can imagine how Joseph, trying to care for Mary and then trying to clean out this feed trough and trying to find some clean hay to put in there and trying to deal with this newborn baby and lay that newborn baby in the hay. And then then who shows up? It's not her mother or her grandmother. It's a bunch of filthy old shepherds who've been out in the fields for days. And so the picture we have that night is a very dark Night, I mean, there was no electric light in some kind of a, probably a cave area where they would put the animals at night. And there is Mary and Joseph and, and the incarnate Son of God wrapped in these cloths, laid in a feed trough where the animals had just eaten and the animals were still there. And here come these shepherds, and they're the first ones to see him. And yet, God was in every minute of that, every instance of that. And the Scripture says that when Mary realized all these things, she treasured every moment in her heart. I want to let you know something tonight. As the old preacher years ago once said, and I've never forgotten it, my God works really well in the nighttime. Or my God doesn't take nighttime off. And I love the fact that when God came to earth in the form of a baby, he wasn't born in the middle of the day in a perfect setting surrounded by friends and family, but he was born in a different city in the nighttime with nowhere to be placed. Have any of us felt like we are in the middle of a nighttime that everything we planned, everything we hoped for, everything we'd like to see isn't happening. That things seem to be spinning out of control. And God, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I planned. It's not what I hoped for, but it's what I've got. And where are you in it? And what I want you to leave with this morning is the absolute confidence that your God is the God who has a history of working very well in the nighttime. And some of you, listening to this this morning, you are in the nighttime. Your life is in struggle right now. You're deeply concerned about your children, your grandchildren. You're deeply worried about your health or your finances. There are all kinds of issues in your life that you feel like are out of your control. For some of you, you're not in the nighttime, but the shadows are lengthening, and you know it's coming, and you fear it. I've got good news for you. My God works really well in the nighttime. All the way back in the Old Testament, we see that when Moses was trapped at evening between the sea on one side and the Egyptian army on the other, that evening, God worked real well that night. And he parted the sea, and Moses crossed and he closed the sea. And the Egyptians were killed. And then in Daniel's book, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego facing that fiery furnace and being thrown into that furnace expecting that they would be completely consumed. And looking into the furnace, the king saw not three but four. Because my God works very well in the night. Then in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel himself, because he refused to obey the king's law above God's law, was literally thrown into a den of lions that night, fully expecting the next morning to have literally nothing of him left. There he was, standing there, having spent the entire night in that lion's den, and nothing harmed him at all. you want to go to the New Testament. Remember, Jesus sends the disciples across the sea, the Sea of Galilee in a boat and it becomes extremely stormy and the waves become very contrary and the disciples are fearful and it's the first watch of the night and there's no sign of Jesus and it's the second watch of the night and there's no sign of Jesus and the third watch of the night and there's no sign of Jesus and the scripture says that in the fourth watch of the night the darkest time of the night Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water my god works really well in the nighttime and Paul and Silas preaching in Philippi it started out really well there they had great results initially But then they were thrown into prison and beaten. And in the middle of the night, the darkest hour of the night, as no doubt they were probably chained inside that prison to some sort of a, a post or a column, having been beaten. What are they doing in the middle of the night? They're singing praises to God, joyfully. And an earthquake comes and opens up the prison. But not only that, the jailer draws out his own sword. To kill himself and Paul says don't do that it's the middle of the night and the doors are open but we're not going anywhere and he said what do I have to do to be saved and the jailer and his entire family was saved because my God works really well in the night and what about the crucifixion as Jesus hung on that cross As the holy God of all the universe, the God who is holy, holy, holy and cannot look upon nor tolerate sin but must obliterate it or it could no longer be holy. As the holy God of the universe, as he took all the sin of you and me and all who would ever be redeemed throughout all of history. Do you realize that? Every murder, every lie, every theft, Every evil thought, every prideful word of every human who would ever be redeemed, that would ever live, at one moment, in one time, was placed upon the sinless Son of God. And the Scripture says that in the middle of the day, it became like what? Nighttime. It became dark. And the darkness was not the absence of God's presence. The darkness was the arrival of God's wrath upon his son, which was poured out upon him so that you and I might be saved. And then that evening as they took Jesus' body off the cross that night and they sealed it up in that tomb and he laid in the tomb that night on that Sunday morning, that stone was blown away and he burst forth out of the tomb because I want you to know something this morning, church. Our God works really well in the nighttime. As Jesus came forth out of that tomb, victorious over sin in the grave, it reminds us of David who defeated Goliath. Not just with the stone, remember, but after he slung the stone and it hit Goliath in the head in the temple and Goliath fell to the ground. What did David do? David took Goliath's sword, this massive sword that this giant of a man was going to slay all the Hebrews with. David took Goliath's sword and he killed Goliath with it. And then when he held up Goliath's sword, all the Hebrews cheered and roared, because the instrument of their death became the instrument of their enemy's death. And when Jesus burst forth from the darkness into the light out of that tomb, he took the cross that Satan meant to kill him, and it became the thing that killed death and Satan. You see, my God works really well in the night the scripture makes it clear that when jesus returns again he'll return as a thief in the night and one day it's going to happen and if you and i are alive when it does one day that eastern sky will open and we'll hear a trumpet sound And the sky will be filled with light. And Jesus will return in all of its glory. And we will be in heaven where he is the light of heaven. And he himself said, I am the light of the world. You see, my God works really well in the night. Jesus was born in the nighttime, in the darkness. He was born not in a comfortable home, but in a town where he was not known in in a barn and laid into a feed box that first evening. The first people around him were not his grandparents and aunts and uncles, but were shepherds that he'd never met. And yet, listen, it was exactly as God wanted it. I want you to know something this morning. It's not always easy for me to know this. I'm 60 years old now. You would think I would have learned it by now. It's a thing I have to learn each and every day. But God has the numbers of hair on my head numbered. God knew me before I was knitted in my mother's womb. God's called me and saved me to himself. God has promised never to leave me or forsake me. He's promised that his grace is sufficient whatever condition I am in. And he's promised he will be with me both day and night because he never sleeps and he never slumbers. And I can face any darkness with courage and confidence because my God works really well in the night. And so can you. And so don't worry too much if your life isn't perfect and everything's going exactly as planned. If you love the Lord and you stay obedient to him and you follow his word, you will find him to be faithful even in the darkest of hours, even in the most lonely of times. In fact, you may very well find him more real in those hours than any other hours of your life. Can I just tell you that in many ways I have felt closest to my Lord in times of distress? Because we have a God who doesn't run away from us in our hour of darkness and need, but we have a God who runs to us in our darkness and our need. And He never forsakes us. And like Mary, who took what could have been a terrible experience, and she realized God was in the midst of all of it, And she treasured it all in her heart. You know, my wife likes to quilt. What started as a hobby has become a lifelong obsession. And she's very good at it, and I enjoy her being good at it. And so we go to quilt shows and go to, there's a place in Missouri called missouri star quilt company up in hamilton where near where i'm from and it's a wonderful place and we'll go up there and all the quilts and and while she's looking for quilts there's a there's a, a place there at this town called the man's cave it's actually a store where it's just a place where men can hang out with big recliners and espn and we don't care how long our wives are there right and it's like free wi-fi it's an amazing place it really is uh, these quilt stores know what they're doing. So she says, do you want to go to Hamilton? Yeah, I'll go to Hamilton. <laughs> Get to be a good husband and watch ESPN and set the big leather recliner and have food. There's a little food area there. But sometimes I wander outside the, the man cave store there and look at some of the quilt stops and here's the reality. Some of the actual fabric of some of that quilt, it I don't know if some it's a little obnoxious, you know? And you, you would think if you had an entire quilt made out of nothing but that fabric, it would just be hard to look at. It's, it's obnoxious. But when someone like my wife who understands quilts knows how to take that one rather obnoxious piece of material and place it with other pieces of material in a particular pattern, and then you hold up the finished product... It is gorgeous. Can I just say to you that God continues to remind me that in my life there are moments of difficulty and stress and hardship that I don't want to repeat and that I'm not enjoying at all, but I know, I'm confident that my God works well even in those dark moments. And He is this great quilt maker, (laughs) who will take every aspect of my life, and when I get to heaven and I see what my life has been, I will see that even those difficult, hard places, I wouldn't want my whole life to be that, but those difficult times in my life, God has formed them and shaped them into a gorgeous tapestry that reflects His glory and has been used in some way that I'll only understand when I get to heaven has been used in some way. To make his name known and bring redemption to people. Because nothing in my life and your life is wasted. No pain, no sorrow, no suffering. He never leaves you alone. Your nighttime is never alone. He is with you always. And so this Christmas, yes, enjoy it. Yes, be with friends and family. Yes, get out the Ideal magazine, even if your house is not Ideal. But know for sure that even in the darkest moments of your life, he is there. He will not leave you. He sticks closer than a brother. He has a history of showing up and doing well at night. And so if you see and sense the long shadows coming in your life, the diagnosis that you're afraid of, a change in life, the loss of a spouse, the moving away of a child, Whatever it might be. I'm not suggesting those are not real things to be afraid of. I'm not suggesting what Mary and Joseph went through was not terrifying in many ways. But God was there with them. And when we look back across the ages, we see everything happened. Listen to me. Everything happened that night exactly as God had planned. And exactly for their joy and for our edification. And I believe this with all of my heart, Saint. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've given your life to Him, you can say, are you ready? With the Apostle Paul, who had been beaten five times with 39 lashes, who'd been thrown in prison more times than we can count, who'd been stoned, stripped naked, drug out of town, and left for dead. And that Apostle Paul could stand here today and he could tell you, I can tell you this, everything can work together for good to those of you who love God and are called according to His purpose. He didn't say everything is good, but everything can work together for good. Oh, listen, you want more joy and happiness in your life? Here's where the sermon concludes. Have more Jesus in your life. He'll bring you joy and happiness When you're alone, he'll bring you joy and happiness when the physical ailments of your body begin to drag you down. He'll bring you joy and meaning when you find your loved ones have passed on and you're alone. He will never leave you. More of Jesus, more of Jesus, more of Jesus. And know that your God works really well in the night. I've been speaking almost entirely this morning to those of us who are Christians. Who need to be reminded that God hasn't forsaken us just because it's nighttime around us. That he does some of his greatest work in the night. But for those of you who've never responded in faith as this dear saint did this morning. And we saw her being baptized. Those of you who've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know this morning you are indeed in darkness. And there is no light for you except for Jesus Christ. And he can take your darkness, your sin, your sorrow, your sadness, your fear, your anxiety, and he can remove it. He can remove your sin, and he can give you hope and give you life everlasting. And you can really know what Christmas is truly all about. It's about one who came to save you in a way that you couldn't save yourself and one who is a light in your life, a light that will never extinguish. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful this morning that in your eternal wisdom, you had Jesus be born in the darkest of night. Lord, I know there are men and women and young people in this room who are facing some deep and troubling times in their life. And the adversary would like for us to think that you're nowhere to be found, that you're not listening to our prayer, that you have forsaken us and forgotten us. There may be some this morning dealing with deep and serious depression and really seeking to find any hope at all. God, remind us tonight, today, of what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 30. Weeping, weeping may come in the night, but joy comes in the morning. There's no sorrow in this life that is eternal. It is all brief, and there's no sorrow so deep, dear God, that your love and your grace is not deeper still. And so for some who are facing the first Christmas without a loved one, For some who are facing first Christmas without being with friends that they care and love. For some who Christmas brings all kinds of challenges and difficulties. Reminds them of broken relationships. For some who have families that have to be separated at Christmas. Whatever. Lord, I pray that on this moment, those of us who are in Christ would realize you do some of your best work at night. And these dark times of our lives can become the sweetest times when like Mary we can treasure every second in our heart of being with you I thank you that you came into this world I thank you that you lived a sinless life I thank you that you died a substitutionary death I thank you that you sought out somebody like me so worthless so fickle and yet you loved me and you drew me to yourself and you saved me and you called me as your own and you've prepared a place for me in heaven and you promised to come and receive me that where you are, I will be also. Lord, that's true of all of us in this room who know you as Lord and Savior. And yes, there may be some weeping tonight, but joy will definitely come in the morning. Lord, if there's even one here today who cannot say with certainty that they know for sure that they are a follower of Jesus, that they have been redeemed and know that they would go to heaven I pray, Lord, you would open their eyes and draw them to saving faith in you, even this moment. Can we just say it one more time? Thank you for being a God who works well in our nighttime. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing? And this morning as we sing, if you would like to pray with any of these pastors who are up here, if you would like to know what it means to follow Jesus, like this dear lady did today. Perhaps you're going through a dark and lonely time and a difficult time. We all have. Feel free to come and just sit on the front pew and pray. Someone will pray with you. But as we sing this song, you think about how many times in your life, Christian, God has shown up in the nighttime and been there for you. Oh, so to him who's able to do above and beyond all that we could ask or think be all praise glory and adoration all of god's people together in one voice said amen i bless you have a great afternoon